0: Hi, Kevin, Property Soldier here. So, I'm recording this as a podcast episode on my service combination property podcast and also putting it out on my social media channels at the same time. So, a week in the life of an SA mentor, I have been out and about, I've been away and some of my service combination uh, locations, and also during that time taking mentoring calls from people that I mentor in SA. And I thought I'd share with you um, a couple of things, um, some some of the issues that people have been experiencing, uh, that I've been able to help them with, and also some of my own uh, experiences over the past week, uh, just to uh, to bring a, a live flavour into what's going out going on out there in SA world. Now, an issue that a lot of people encounter and some of my mentees have encountered is uh, with estate agents and the local planning authority and the the things to overcome with them and some of the um, issues, some, some of it born out of ignorance um, that some of these uh, professional uh, organizations apparently professional organizations have some of it's ignorance some of it's just confusion and and so I thought I'd um, clear up some of these things for you so estate agents that think that service accommodation is a HMO or letting agents estate agents letting agents they think that service accommodation is a HMO it can't be a HMO if it is no no one's home okay so these this is what you need to understand as a service combination operator the difference between a hmo and effectively a furnished holiday let now a furnished holiday let is not anyone's home and uh, therefore it's not subject to uh, hmo rules and regulations you know article 4 and um, licensing requirements and planning requirements for hmos i don't want to get into those you just need to know that you don't need to worry about hmo with sa with Furnished holiday let because the main point to, to note here, and this is where some of the confusion comes in with service combination, is that for most people doing service combination, you are actually doing furnished holiday let. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, when I got into this industry and when I got into this property training in a space, it was already called service accommodation. It shouldn't really be called service accommodation. It should be called short-term rentals or something like that. Um, I'll explain why. Uh, well, I would, I've opened the can of worms now. Um, so service accommodation, as far as planning is concerned, and HMRC is concerned, that is guest house b okay, which is C1 use class, right, or C3 with grandfather rights. But let's not go there. <laughs> so this is where the confusion comes in all right with um with sa versus furnished holiday let and then people confuse it even more who just don't really understand things we're thinking it's also a hmo so a hmo just rule of thumb here is where somebody lives they live there on a, a an ast and a short hold tenancy agreement um whereas with uh furnish holiday let forward slash service combination um that is not the case so it doesn't need to be um you know to all of the regulations that HMOs come with. And so if you are able just to explain that, if ever an agent says that to you and you can just say, no, no, it's never, it's not going to be it's where someone lives, so therefore it's not HMO, so it doesn't apply. Um, in the past, I have contacted the local HMO officer just to get them to send me a letter um, through, even though I knew the answer, just so I could forward that on to the agent just to uh, to get them to see sense. Okay, so that's that side of it. And so what we can talk about now is the fact that some agents are saying, oh, well, um, you need uh, a change of use to do service combination in the property. And so it's been spooking some of the the people that I'm mentoring. And so, no, you don't. The appropriate use class for a furnished holiday let property is C3. That is where you and I live or most of us. Um, this is a C3 property. This is a house. Uh, an apartment is a house. Um, sorry, an apartment is also C3. And so it, C3 is someone's principal or secondary residence. There is not a specific use class yet for furnished holiday let. So therefore, um all the all of the furnished holiday lets that you will go and stay in they are going to be uh, c3 primarily c3 okay so i'll talk about some certain circumstances where they might have changed um, in a minute but the point is here that um, they might need to change if a material change of use has occurred let's let's rewind so you're going to take a property from an agent on a, a rent to service accommodation basis it's a C3 property. It doesn't need to change from C3 in order for you to take it to do rent to SA. Effectively, what you're going to be doing with it is holiday let. It doesn't matter if it's a two bed, two up, two down in Grimsby. OK, no offence to Grimsby. Or like that, but let that, Well, OK, so an inner city terraced property in any city. Um, that, that who's to say what is a furnished holiday let and what isn't where people can go and visit friends and family and you know visit the local area who's to say what is and what isn't <clears throat> and so you're going to use a seafood property effectively as a furnished holiday let that's that's how you declare it on your tax return it goes on the holiday let income um pages it doesn't go on the the um, buy to let or hmo pages okay so it's a different activity so this combination is trading it's a trading activity it's not investment activity so it goes on a different page of the tax return therefore avoid section 24 and all of those things now then so it's c3 doesn't need to apply for a change of use understand these things and you can say these is where people are saying but hold on a minute Um, It says, I've looked on the planning portal, and it says that serviced accommodation is C1, so um, therefore it does need change of use. Right, that's the rub. As far as planning is concerned, C1, or serviced accommodation, is a guesthouse hotel. And what is the most appropriate use class for that? C1. But you just need to understand the difference between what I call whole house serviced accommodation. So whole apartment, the whole house, where it is not letting anything by the room, you're just letting the whole property to the same group of people. They all turn up on the same day and they all leave on the same day, like a furnished holiday let. Yeah, so it is C3. And the confusion comes in where, because in the property education space, and again, it was going on before I rocked up on the position Everyone's calling it serviced accommodation. Um, and so that's where the confusion is. So you just need to be able to explain that to the agents. And unfortunately, when you phone the local planning authority and you, you say to them, oh, you want to do service accommodation in the property, they will say, oh, well, you need plain change of use. And even unfortunately, this is the sad part, If even if you say and you properly describe furnished holiday let to the planner, they often say, "Well, you need a change of use." It's a little bit like asking um, asking a plumber whether or not um, he thinks your property, your boiler, could do with a service. All right, they're going to say yes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but the thing is, it you don't need to apply for change of use to run a C three property as a furnished holiday let. You just don't. Um, now, and, and the other unfortunate thing is is quite often at the local authority, you're not actually talking to a qualified town planner. Um, quite often you're talking to the gatekeeper who isn't a town planner and they are just going to be sounding extremely knowledgeable uh, and telling you that you need a, a change of use application. Um, so the, my advice to you is, is, well, I don't ring them. When I want to turn a, a C3 property and use that not turn it, when I want to use a C3 property as a, as a whole house serviced accommodation unit or furnished holiday let, I'm not phoning the town planners asking whether or not I need a material change of use because I don't need to, because it, it doesn't need a change of use application. So let's talk about material change of use. When it might be appropriate to, to apply for planning if you've got a C3 property um, and ask for permission to continue doing um, service accommodation in it. Here is the uh, the four scenarios. So if you are creating your activity in the property is creating a lot more rubbish and causing a bit of a nuisance to neighbours, etc. Well, yes, if you do that, then you might get the attention of the local authority and they might uh, say, look, you need uh, permission to be able to continue what you're doing. But just don't create a nuisance with your rubbish. Make sure your cleaners are you know, sorting out the rubbish. You can leave instructions for your guests on any recycling that needs to happen. But ultimately, it comes down to your cleaners and put, making sure that the rubbish um, is put in the right receptacles and goes out on the right days and things like that. You could, if the circumstances dictate, have someone come and pick up black bags and you know pay a pound 50 or something to come and pick up black bags whatever it may be, but you just control your rubbish. You don't let your rubbish become a nuisance. So whatever the, the situation is um, in, in where your property is, that's what you do. Um, parking, uh, a, a well-run service accommodation property is occupied at about 75%, 70, 75% a year. If you're get, getting over occupied or if you're getting more than 80% occupancy, then if you're doing short stays, you're actually too cheap if you're if you're just getting you know two night one week stays and you're getting over 80 percent occupancy actually i would suggest putting your prices up because you're too cheap so between you know, about 75 percent is the sweet spot um, and what um, we've tested that on short term stays clearly if you're getting six month bookings from contractors then um, that is fine okay you just send the cleaners in to do a weekly clean on that one so parking let's face it first of the year, there's no one at the property. And when there is someone at the property, usually people have all turned up in one car. But think of a normal house where there's two car, three car families, and they're there hundred percent of the year apart from maybe a week on they go on holiday or whatever it is so you're not actually going to increase the demand on parking for a normal serviced accommodation property uh parties well don't call it partyhouse.com house you know <laughs> in your terms in our terms and conditions you have uh, no parties allowed and you've got uh, credit card details and you in your terms and conditions it's you know people will be asked to leave if there's a party you put all these different things in place and people are not going to be booking you for a party they'll book people whose uh, terms and conditions aren't as strict etc etc so you're not going to have lots and lots of parties as long as you um, set yourself up correctly and but the other thing to remember is every now and then normal people have a party don't they so let's say one slips through the net once in a while well then so be it you know so do all the neighbours once in a while so That's not likely to be an issue. And then irregular hours, you know, people coming and going at irregular times of the night usually. Well, there's no reason why you're going to have that all of the time with all of your guests, is it? Every now and then, people will be working certain shift patterns. The same applies to normal people. Normal people will work normal shift patterns. And and people, if, if they do live, you know, the neighbors have got that sort of shift pattern, then they're going to be doing that all year round. So again, you're not likely to uh, fall foul of that situation either. So no need for material change abuse, and for anyone to insist on it, they have to prove that you have exceeded that one of those four um, scenarios, okay, or caused an issue on one of those four scenarios. So the burden of proof is up to them anyway to to highlight that. So again, I just wanted to clear up that on uh, the right use class for service combination it is c3 for whole house sa where the same group of people turn up on one day they all leave on another day they're not letting it by the room individually unknown to each other that would be more like a guest house bnb wouldn't it and where the most appropriate use class would be c1 okay now we're going to come to valuations um and so Unfortunately, <laughs> um people get also get confused. Agents um, get confused with valuations and mortgages. Now then, if you could speak to a broker and so a broker that is used to um, finding a product that allows service to accommodation and they understand the you know the differences between service accommodation versus furnished holiday let so ultimately short-term rental uh, product then they are going to obviously have certain lenders that will lend on that type of product. Now, the way the, um, the, the lenders will value a product, they're not going to try and value it on a, um, a likely turnover from SA. The way they're going to value it is how would it stack as a buy to let? So <clears throat> lenders work to a, a, a rent versus mortgage ratio and so the the cost of the monthly mortgage payment the buy to let rent typically needs to be 130 percent higher than that and that's their ratio that they work to quite often at uh, a stress test of five percent interest rate so that's going to stack as a buy to let so whatever the numbers stack at as a buy to let is likely what you are going to get with getting a, a short-term holiday let type in uh, mortgage product so you just have to that's a safety net for you though isn't it if the number stack is a buy to let then you're going to earn a lot more money um, from the property as sa so it's all good it's all fine and dandy you know you're typically going to get loan to value on the the property and as long as the monthly mortgage payment at 75% loan to value is less than the the buy to let rent you know 130% is the rent to mortgage ratio then that is going to stack they're going to release that amount of money on the property but then you can use it with permission as serviced accommodation so that is the thing that you need to understand in terms of SA mortgages as well and whilst I'm on the uh, whilst I'm on the subject what you need to do in my experience is be there for the surveyor if it's a refinance job so some people are are replacing buy to let mortgages or they're refinancing um, their property um, to to allow SA I would suggest being there for the surveyor because the surveyors quite often ask certain questions if it's currently rented by a tenant don't let the tenant ask answer the surveyors questions tenants have a habit of trying to convince the surveyor that they should be paying less rent okay whatever whatever reason they've got in their minds about that don't let that happen okay so be there for the surveyor and answer the questions. And one of the things, um, surveyors, if you've added value to a property, they want to know how you've added value to a property and just provide a schedule of works on all of the work that you've done. You don't have to put down how much you paid. If you've got the work done nice and cheaply, you don't have to um, enter the figures, you just need to give them a breakdown. So if you've got, put a new kitchen in and it's a magnet kitchen, um and you've used LNPG, okay so look up LNPG. um you know it's, you can get some really good discounts on things like magnet kitchens and and your boilers you know i mentioned that earlier on you get really good discounts so um ultimately the surveyor and the valuer won't know that you did it cheaply and they will just think okay they've spent x amount of thousand pounds here so that stacks that helps me um increase the valuation on the property versus what they paid for it you know that type of thing so Speak to the valuer, and if you've added value, give them a breakdown of what you have done in order to add value, and that should help you realise the valuation that you would like. Or well, it's certainly going to—it's um it's not going to hinder the situation. Whereas if you're not there, um, then it might. And if you don't provide the valuer with any extra information, then that you know could hinder. So that is being there for the valuer and helping in that. Now the other thing that I will say is. I mean, I was a few few days ago down in Plymouth, one of our guest house B&B conversions into an apart hotel. And um, yes, I made sure I was there for that as well. And exactly the same thing, building up a rapport with the valuer, answering the valuer's questions and um, providing the, the scheduler works on all of the things that have been done to add value because of, well, obviously, but we got the property nice and cheap, retired, dated, guest house and we've converted it into a nice modern apart hotel. Now, when it comes to serviced accommodation, commercial property, serviced accommodation, so hotel, then the valuer will value it on a multiple of income, not just bricks and mortar and not, you know, a buy to let rent ratio. clearly. So yes, they will value it on a multiple of income, but there's different stages to that. So you've got your initial purchase, where it's a tired, dated guest house, me and B. Then you've got the, the first stage, if you like, refurb. So that's done and the valuer will value it based on its current value, but also be projecting what it is going to be worth once trading and provide that information to the lender. And then, the, But ultimately, the lender is going to lend on the current value, not on the actual what we call eBIT EBITDA so the commercial valuation but then once you've been trading for a couple of years then the lenders or the lenders out there will lend on a, a commercial valuation which is a multiple of the property's income or a calculation based on what the property is earning and that's typically significantly higher than the bricks-and-mortar valuation and you can lend against that new valuation as a commercial business. So hopefully that helps everybody. I just wanted to clear up a a few things there um, that are going on out there in terms of planning and um, confusion with HMOs and confusion with planning with regards to SA. I know the fact that we're calling it service combination confuses the matter further because as far as HMRC is concerned and planning is concerned, uh, service combination is C1 commercial uh, businesses. Whereas most of us doing serviced accommodation are actually doing furnished holiday let and as long as you understand that the appropriate use class for furnished holiday let is C3, unless there's a material change of use, then you are all good. And I just wanted to also clear up the fact that um, people are getting furnished holiday let service donation mortgages (laughs) and the properties are typically valued as they would be valued as um, holiday lets. So, as uh, sorry as by to lets, I'm confusing the issue as well. So, ignore that bit. They're going to be valued as by to lets, all right. And but then, with permission, you use the property as service combination. And a service combination, there's currently no licensing requirements. It may come in in the future. You know, fair enough. There's no specific use class for it, um, but uh, you know, for furnished holiday let. Uh, so what's this base it might come in in the future it would probably clear things up anyway wouldn't it so make it easier for us all so hopefully that was useful everyone give me a like if you thought that that was of use and um, if you're watching this on replay on social media then by all means comment away and I will um, endeavor to answer your questions and for everybody on the podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. Hopefully that was useful. You can reach out to me on social media as well. Just search for Property Soldier. And I will see you all soon. So here's to your service combination success. And remember, your future needs you. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.